You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. It's brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Today, Farm Credit Canada sees a brighter outlook for the Canadian food and beverage industry in the last part of the year. We have an update on grain movement and the rising cost of food is debated on the floor of the House of Commons in Ottawa this week. We look at Manitoba's harvest and have an update on cattle markets. The farm weather's in its usual spot. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. Regina-based FCC is forecasting a bright outlook for food and beverage processors across Canada for the rest of the year. Farm Credit Canada Chief Economist J.P. Gervais says food and beverage sales growth will slow in the last half of the year, but profit margins will improve as commodity prices decline. Well, I do think it's a brighter outlook than the first few months of this year. I mean, let's face it, uh, the first six to eight months have been difficult for food processors. They've faced higher commodity prices. There's a lot of inflation that they try to pass on to retailers and pass on to consumers. But at a time when inflation is really high, interest rates are rising, it is the more and more difficult to pass on some of those higher costs. And we've seen margins decline for the first few months of 2022 relative to last year. And so I do think that the outlook is a little bit better going into the last few months of 2022 and into 2023. Part of it is uh, lower commodity prices, so lower raw material prices and lower inputs overall that will actually uh, alleviate some of the pressures on margins. And let's face it, at the end of the day, despite all the inflation we see at the retail store level and in grocery stores and so forth, I mean, consumer demand for Canadian food is pretty resilient. And from that standpoint, resilient uh, consumer demand domestically as well as a strong export demand Worldwide, I do think that the future is a little bit better than it uh, has been for the first six to eight months of food processors. You're anticipating year-over-year sales growth expected to slow in the second half of the year, and yet you're saying the profits will be better. Yeah, so it all depends on how we measure sales. If we measure sales in dollars, I mean, the numbers look fine, you know, for the first year, for the first six to eight months in 2022, but that's mostly because of the higher inflation and the overall inflation in the supply chain. But from a profit standpoint, margins have been declining. I mean, we do have, I think the silver lining in all of this is that we have sales and when measured in volume that are still growing and we are forecasting that volume sold from food manufacturers is going to go up as well. It is just that they're going to have to face a little bit less intense pressure from, from the, the input side of things or their cost of production 
And, you know, let's face it as well, processors need to make some significant large investments as well in their business. I mean, we have some very, very significant labor challenges in the Canadian economy. Food processors are struggling to find qualified labor. They need to invest in automation and so forth. And so with higher interest rate, that makes it more difficult. So overall, to see inflation starting to come down would actually be a good thing. And even though we measure sales in, in when measured in dollars in, in, in a lower amount, I do think that there is some positive in all that. Let's look at a few sectors. Give me the, your thoughts on the grain and oilseed milling sector. Well, I think grain and oilseed milling is the, the textbook example of how inflation hides a little bit of some of the struggles in the sector. I mean, we had a very, let's face it, poor crop in 2021 in the praise. And so that shows up in terms of volumes that are still look at significant, but nonetheless are smaller than what they were in 2022. And that's because we've had a very poor crop and the availability of grains and oil seeds is limited in 2022 or the beginning of the year simply because we're marketing the 2021 crop. So as we're getting the 2022 crop into the hands of processors, millers, I think do think that think the upside is actually pretty bright because the demand for what we sell at the global stage is very, very strong. The war in Ukraine is opening up opportunities for exporters like Canada to fulfill some of the demand that perhaps, you know, other suppliers are struggling with given some of the challenges in Eastern Europe and, and in Russia. And the outlook for, say, chicken, pork and beef? Well, I think that's also a little bit of a surprise to see that, you know, when you look at volume or demand from Canadians, we are seeing demand or consumption of chicken and pork actually went up in 2022 so far. And I think that's a fairly positive outlook then, because considering that prices at the retail level have been going up significantly for consumers, to see volumes of Canadian meat or the volumes of meat being consumed in Canada go up for pork and chicken, I think that's a fairly positive assessment of what consumers or how consumers feel about animal proteins overall. Uh, yes, there's a shift towards plant-based proteins, but I do think that Canadians are still looking to consume animal proteins, and, and we're seeing this in the numbers as well. Now, for beef, I think the story is a little bit different. We've seen a little bit of a decline in consumption, but having said that, I do think that this decline is related to the strong, strong demand that we have in, in foreign markets for Canadian beef. So our exports have been moving up, and, and that left uh, a little bit less to be consumed Canadian or in the domestic market. But overall, uh, despite the high prices at the retail level, can the Canadians still want to consume beef and, and other red meat. Gervais says year-over-year food processing sales for 2022 will be up 9% from last year. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch Eavestroffs. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavestroffs.ca And your Prairie Co-op Grow Team. Fueling farms, feeding families in Cupar, Ituna, Lipton and Strasburg. Brisk producer deliveries at harvest are filling space in country elevators. Following shipping week 5 in early September, the terminals were at 61% capacity, compared to 43% during the previous week. Grain companies and farmers are wondering if CP and CN Rail will be able to handle the larger crop this year. Even at this early point in the 2022-23 crop year, there are red flags, according to Wade Sobkowicz, Executive Director of the Western Grain Elevators Association. He hopes they're always come through. But he says there are doubts. That's part of the problem. We don't have enough information to be able to accurately predict or determine 
to what level the railways are going to fulfill demand for the upcoming year. We don't think it will be as high as what they've put in their grain plans, uh, which is about the same as what they offered last year. But how short it will be remains to be seen. The railways are hoping Mother Nature will be kinder this winter following last November's flooding in B.C. and extreme cold during the first couple months of this year. The ongoing issue of food inflation is prompting some Canadians to change their shopping habits in order to save money. While overall inflation in Canada moderated in August, the prices at grocery stores climbed by nearly 11%, the fastest pace in more than four decades. Analysts are confident food prices will start coming down in the months ahead, but certainly not soon enough for people who are struggling to pay for rent or a mortgage, rising heating costs and other expenses. New research shows many people are shopping more at discount stores, buying cheaper store brands, and scouring weekly flyers for deals. A growing number of working Canadians admit they're being forced to use the services of food banks to help keep their families fed. The issue was front and centre during question period in the House of Commons Tuesday. This was the exchange between Regina Tory MP Andrew Scheer and the Liberals' Tourism Minister, Edmonton MP Randy Boissonneau. Four out of ten Canadians are cutting their diets because of rising food costs. Canadians who have never used a food bank in their lives before are being forced to because they simply can't keep up with soaring prices. Canadians are struggling to get by and the government plans to raise taxes on gas, home heating, groceries and paychecks. Will the government reverse its planned tax hikes and commit to no new taxes? The Honourable Minister for Tourism. Mr. Speaker, I'll tell you what was vaporized. Canadian savings when they followed the new Conservative leader's advice to go put money into Bitcoin. <laughs> Quite frankly, shameful, irresponsible and reckless. Wow. <laughs> Member for Regina Capel. What's been vaporized is Canadians' purchasing power as this government has caused the record-breaking inflation that is hammering Canadians' abilities the federal carbon tax is set to rise by 15% in 2023. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. Sean Haney here with realagriculture.com and Real Ag Radio, and right now we are joined by Ross McKenzie. He's retired soil scientist with the government of Alberta. We'll start right from the very beginning, the value of soil testing. Mm -hmm. What do we need to be testing for? Of course, M, P, and K come yeah. right to mind, but is, well, does it stop there? Yeah, so nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, and sulfur are really the, the big ones. But you also want to do, occasionally, if you don't have micronutrient problems, maybe test for micronutrients once every five years. If you do have problems with micronutrients, like for example, copper in central Alberta on the black or gray soils or transition soils, you might want to be checking for that every year. Um, so micronutrients are important, but we don't have widespread micronutrient problems, but it's something you want to keep an eye on all the time. But micronutrients are often over-promoted, but if you test, at least you know where you're at and get uh, a couple of opinions from a couple of different grounds if you do have a recommendation for it. The other thing that I like to see farmers test for is simply soil pH. Uh, pH can change very dramatically uh, yeah. across one of our sites of South of Lethbridge where we did variable rate fertilizer. We had... Um, 
uh, 16 different uh, benchmarks, and soil pH ranged from 5.3 to 7.8, depending on where you were on the soil position. So pH can change quite dramatically with with topography, and uh, so that's something you want to keep an eye on. But is your soil pH slowly dropping? As we're using nitrogen and sulfur fertilizers over the years, they are acidifying, and your soil pH will slowly drop. And if you're using no-till where you're not mixing your the, the top couple of inches of soil with the rest of your topsoil, then that pH can start to drop fairly significantly, which can then have a negative effect on uh, nitrogen-fixing uh, uh, bacteria with our legume crops, like yeah. uh, our pulse crops. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, particularly in the southern prairies, we do have some problems with uh, soil salinity. So we're doing a, a test called electrical conductivity, or EC, mm -hmm. is always wise. And if you're in certain levels, if you're below one, you're fine. But once you creep up to, to three or four, you can start losing uh, 20 to 40 percent of your yield potential, depending on the crop. And if you're up to, you know, five or six or seven, you can lose uh, you lose significant yield potential, but you still don't see any weight on the fields. So that's what I call hidden salinity, but the soil test will show that up. And even things like soil organic matter, you know, that's, you know, organic carbon people are very concerned about. And you can have, you can have the lab do that too. Uh, most labs don't use a really precise lab, uh, test, but they'll at least give you an indication of are you 2%, 4%, or 6%, which is nice to know. And when you do get all those recommendations, those numbers, those results back, then you got to kind of make a decision what you're going to yeah. do with it. And actually, just before we talk about that, I should mention that, you know, you want to also want to make sure the lab you send your samples to are going to be doing the right analyses. So, for example, with phosphorus, uh, different labs use different methods. In Manitoba, the recommended method is the, the Olson method or sodium bicarbonate method. That's where they've done all their calibrations for, and that's what they recommend. In Alberta, oh, in the early 90s, we looked at a number of different soil tests for phosphorus. We identified the modified Kelowna method as the one that gave us the best accuracy, and that's the one that we would recommend. And so the recommendations we have now for phosphorus, not only would we make a recommendation, we can also give you a probability of response. Is it a 90 or a 70 or a 40% probability of response based on the research we did? But if the lab doesn't use, the, it's a lab you send your samples to, doesn't use a modified cloner method, if they use the Bray or the Olson, you're going to get a much uh, less accurate recommendation. So that's, and that's not acceptable in my opinion. So right. always make sure the lab is using the um, analyses that are recommended for Alberta, Saskatchewan, or Manitoba. Like a very, very good point. And can you ask a lab specifically, hey, what, what method are you Absolutely. using? And here's and, what I'd like you to and use. And hopefully they, they, they will report the methods on their soil test report. And if you see, if you're from Alberta and you see your, the, it was the Olson or the, uh, the Bray method used, well, you might want to say, well, in the future, I want a, I want the modified clone. And most labs will, will make that adjustment. What could be the difference in the results between the methods? Huge, actually. Uh, for example, the Bray method is a strong acid extractant and um, it was designed by Bray and Kurtz back in 1945 for acid soils. And it worked fine on acid soils, but if you have a, if your pH range of your soil ranges from 5.5 to 7.5, well, uh, it might work better at the lower pHs, but not better at the higher pHs. As a matter of fact, it, just, it performs very poorly once you're above 7.0, like pH of 7. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. 
Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Sunny sky today, wind northwest 20, the high 16 degrees. We're just two degrees away from that. The low zero with patchy frost tonight. Thursday, increasing cloudiness. Wind southeast 20, increasing to 40, gusting to 60. The high 18 Thursday, 60% chance of evening showers tomorrow, low 8. Partly cloudy Friday, the high 18, the low 7. Saturday, sunny, the high 19, the low 3. Sunday, sunny, the high 19, the low 4. Monday, sunny, the high 19, the low 6. Tuesday, sunny and much warmer, the high forecast 24 degrees. For this date, the normal high is 16, the normal low is 2. Sun rose at 6.43 this morning. It sets at exactly 7 o'clock tonight. And around the province, the hot spot right now is up north. Meadow Lake is 15. The cold spot up north, Island Falls at 9 degrees. Estevan and Saskatoon, both 14. Swift Current, Weyburn, 13. Yorkton is 10 degrees. Regina is sunny and 14. That's 57 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the north at 21, gusting to 32. Humidity is 42%. The barometer is rising 102.9. Partly cloudy in Moose Jaw, 14. Winds are from the northwest at 9. Once again, Regina, sunny and 14. That's 57 Fahrenheit. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems, expect the best. Harvest progress sits at 40% complete across Manitoba. According to this week's crop report, this puts harvest completion about three weeks behind the five-year average of 71% for this time of year. Nicole Cluson is a crop production specialist with Manitoba Agriculture based in Swan River. She covers the northwest region of Manitoba. I think we're doing okay. Um, fall weather set in last week um, in the northwest region and we did see some slower progress. Parts of the region uh, reported some frost at the Swan Valley, Birch River, Grandview, and Santa Clara weather stations. Although most of the crops were at a mature enough stage that we should have been safe from injury, there were some younger soybean crops that might be affected, and we're just going to keep our eye on them. Uh, precipitation has been the biggest holdup this week, with most of the region receiving rain, setting in Wednesday and then continuing off and on through the week. Locally in the Swan Valley, we've accumulated just over an inch, give or take. Um, some areas receiving more and some areas receiving less. Um, in terms of harvest progress, I'd say the western side of the region is more advanced because um, there was better seeding conditions in the springtime in comparison to the rest of the region. Uh, the rest of the region was approximately about um, three weeks or so behind. And that kind of stayed that way throughout the season. So spring wheat um, is the most advanced in the western part of the region again and further behind in that Dauphin, Grandview, St. Rose area because of those conditions in the spring. Locally in the Swan Valley, spring wheat is coming off with good yields and, and good quality. Um, I'd say we're between Swan Valley and Robin, we're about 85% complete 
and then further behind in Dawson St. Rose area, probably about 65% complete, and those are estimates. So uh, canola harvest was nicely underway until this wet weather set in. Swan Valley and Robin were approximately 40 to 45% complete, and Dauphin area was nicely getting started at about 10% complete. We haven't heard much uh, for yield reports as of yet, but the earliest reports have been below average and likely due to um, that crop having a slow start in the spring. And, and they did, a lot of those crops in the spring um, did see heavy flea beetle pressure, which... Um, Set, kind of set things back a little bit. So field peas are taken off already. Cluson says there may be a few fields of fall cereals being seeded this autumn. You know what? We don't have a lot in the Swan Valley area, but the Dauphin area, um, I think they will be seeing more fall seeded cereals, likely in those areas that didn't get seeded in the spring due to excess moisture. Cluson says Manitoba farmers need right now is some good harvest weather. Yeah, you know, hopefully we can get a day or two of good drying conditions and probably hopefully see things pick up again. Nicole Cluson is a crop production specialist with Manitoba Agriculture. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CARM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today brought to you by Diggleman Industries. Look to Diggleman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com Saskatchewan feeder cattle prices were mixed this past week. The acting provincial cattle specialist, Fonda Froats, says feeder steers were up as much as $13 per hundredweight. Well, we've seen a mix this week amongst a larger offering of feeder cattle with some ups and downs. So Saskatchewan steer prices were mixed across all weight categories being offered last week. Prices ranged from 31050 per hundred weight for the three to four hundred pound weight category to two twenty six or two twenty nine oh six per hundred weight for the nine hundred plus pound weight category. The largest increase was seen in the five to six hundred pound weight category with prices improving two twenty five per hundred weight from the previous week to end the week averaging 271.25. The largest drop was 393 per hundred weight for the four to 500 pound weight category, which ended the week at 291.57 per hundred weight. And average weekly prices for Saskatchewan heifers were all lower in the categories we were able to compare week over week. Prices ranged from 227.93 per hundred weight for the six to seven hundred pound weight category and 221.50 for the 800 plus pound weight category. The largest decrease was seen in the six to seven hundred pound weight category with prices down 324 per hundred weight to end the week averaging 227.93. What were the factors influencing the market this past week? Well, I think we did see a big increase in calves coming to market last week as pasture conditions are dropping off and these fall calf sales are being held. Pricing was overall steady from last week, but with a mix of some categories up, some down, which were likely based on quality and then the lot sizes available. The larger lots definitely seen a premium to the smaller. And the weaker Canadian dollar is also a factor helping the demand for our feeder cattle in the West. 
What were marketings? CANFAX reported a total of 11,600 head of feeder cattle sold in Saskatchewan last week. So I mentioned this is up from the 3,564 head the previous week. What happened with market-ready cattle prices? So the price for Alberta-fed steers averaged 180.79 per for the week. This is 57 cents per hundred weight above the previous week of September 9th, which was 180.22. And the price of D2 slaughter cows, again, was down 205 per hundred weight from the previous week to average 104.25 per hundred weight last week. And D3 cows had a decrease of 352 per hundred weight to end the week averaging 90.36 per hundred weight. That's Acting Provincial Cattle Specialist, Fonda Froats. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Freeze Tallman Lumber. Since 1956, Freeze Tallman has been your trusted building materials supplier for every type of project. Freeze Tallman in Regina and Fort Capel. Grain prices were mixed in early trading. Viterra prices for canola rose 460 at 758.45. One red spring wheat fell 397 at 405.89. The rest unchanged. Durham 399.56. Feed barley 302.87. Chickpeas 925.95. Flax 627.67. Lentils 704.50. Oats 255.32, yellow peas 431.13, feed wheat 289.56. At Minneapolis, December spring wheat gained three and a half cents at 9.62 and three quarter cents a bushel. It's the livestock reports on the source 620 CKRM. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn Livestock 842-4574. Now, the latest quotes. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of September 20th. Our last regular sale was on September 14th. D1 and D2 cows sold from $0.93 cents to $1.03. D3 cows sold from $0.83 cents to $0.93. Cents. Canner cows sold from $0.60 cents to $0.70. Cents. And good butcher bulls sold from $1.27 to $1.37. We had a barn burner here in Weyburn on September 12th. Yearlings sold very strong. 500 to 550 pound steers averaged two dollars and 48 cents and sold up to two dollars and 55 cents. 550 to 600 pound steers averaged two dollars and 48 cents and sold up to two dollars and 54 cents. 600 to 650 pound steers averaged two dollars and 48 cents and sold up to two dollars and 54 cents. 650 to 700 pound steers averaged two dollars and 60 cents and sold up to two dollars and 76 cents. 700 to 800 pound steers averaged two dollars and 60 cents and sold up to two dollars and 76 cents. 800 to 900 pound steers averaged two dollars and 41 cents and sold up to two dollars and 58 cents. And steers over 900 pounds averaged two dollars and 23 cents and sold up to two dollars and 45 cents. Heifers were about 30 cents back from the steers. This has been Stephanie Digg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets cattle and the prices too. And the latest Saskatchewan pork prices, $233.63 per CKG. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. 
This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. And brought to you by Western Ag Professional Agronomy. If you want to make cropping decisions with confidence, visit growmoreprofit.com. Estevan and Elbow are possible locations for a small nuclear power generation modular reactor in the future. Doug Opseth, Director of Supply Planning with Sask Power, says the two locations were the highest rated. When we looked throughout the province, there were a number of sites that could potentially be home to an SMR, but I think what we did is we narrowed down to the two that we felt uh, ranked the highest in terms of our ability to ultimately deliver on this project. SAS Power identified the two areas as future sites to do proximity to a suitable water supply, existing power infrastructure, workforce, nuclear regulations and standards, and information from past generation siting projects. On the markets, the TSX is up 18 points to 19,386. The Dow has gained 147 points to 30,853. Oil has fallen 56 cents at 83.38 per barrel. The Canadian dollar is at 74.70 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the on-demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicide.